Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ethics in football, we dug ourselves a hole. Is it right or wrong to smash a player's skull? Hey, no easy answers, but there's one thing I know. Now it's time to play that banjo. Football's our favorite, but won't you please take note? We see it's got some problems, we're all in the same boat. Reckoning with football's past, I reckon you better paddle fast. Boys, I think I hear that banjo. Welcome to Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Paul, joined as always by Andrew Stevens and Brian Scott Rippey. Fellas. How is your? It's it's only Wednesday. It's I don't know how, but it's only Wednesday night. How are y'all holding up? One year uh, anniversary pandemic tomorrow. Y'all excited? How are we celebrating? Oh yeah, tomorrow is the um, the the Tom Hanks Day. Is what I call it. Tom, Tom Hanks Day, Rudy Gobert Day, uh, the last day Andrew worked the semblance of a real job day. Uh, really, uh, very exciting stuff. Rip right out you. Man, I don't know. I'm back where I was when all this shit happened. Like, I was visiting Dallas at the time. MC was out here, and I was out here for, like, both of our birthdays. And we went to a Stars game. I've told this story probably five times with this pod or whatever. And, like, I drove back on the – we had the Stars game on the 10th, and I'm driving back to Mississippi on the 11th. And, like, the SEC tournament starts getting weird. And as I'm pulling into my driveway in Oxford, the I get the Rudy Gobert Woj ESPN notification – and really all hell breaks this after that. So I, I don't even know how to celebrate it. Should I drive back to Mississippi? Should I just skip work? Like, what should I do? Uh, it's also 3-11 day, guys. So if anyone is into um, just bad uh, mid-aughts rock, then we can uh, celebrate that as well. Also, um, it's the, what, uh, 20 and a half anniversary uh, 19 and a half anniversary of 9-11. We could celebrate that. That is true. 19.5 <laughs> years. Exactly. Ex- exactly to the day. Man, what a, what, what, what a year it's been. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I um, the, This week's really weird because obviously when March hit, it's like, God damn it, we're in March again. But I don't think people realize how weird that week was because there was a lot of like – should I go to this, you know, gathering? It's really just going to be like six or seven of us. Should I stay home? Like I was in MSG on March 11th last year for the Big East tournament. And I was like, oh, cool. If I just like stay away from people and like don't shake hands, I'll be fine. It's like not a mask in sight. Like no one's even thinking <laughs> about that. We're no, no, there, was, 
there wasn't a mask in sight until like fucking May. Like we're not like we're so far away from mask culture at this point. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, damn, I really just like went inside of a large basketball arena, no mask in sight for two. Like it wasn't a, <coughs> excuse me, it wasn't a sparsely attended game. It was Georgetown against St. John's. Like there were people there and, and just not thinking, anything. oh, cool. I'll be fine. It's the flu, right? It's the flu. I'll be fine. I've gotten the flu before. <laughs> I, what is funny though is I, I, I the the actual like March 11th date, I know like uh, KP being up in New York, it, it may have been like rumors of it or sort of as it was picking up may have started a couple of days before that. But just the the way I think of it is um, that like that March 11th date is funny because like it is our generation's like 9-11 day from the perspective of like, where were you? Like like us dumb sports fans are like, where were you when you heard Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus? Not like, <laughs> where were you at 8.26 a.m. or whatever on uh, the, the morning of September 11th? It's like, Len, it's like Len Bias dying, Michael Jackson dying, and where were you when Tom Hanks got COVID? <laughs> we talked about this on another pod the other night where like how numb we've gotten to what COVID is and all that. But like when it became a big, like when it was back when it was a big deal and someone got diagnosed and like Tom Hanks was one of the first ones, like what he was in Australia or some shit and he got it and it was like, oh, this is real. Yeah, and then Chet had to do the live stream. And we got <laughs> so silver linings. We have some. Um, <laughs> Can we I don't know, want to be pop country star telling can, us that his dad, can, what? Can we, can we cut in Chet Hanks audio to this at some point? <laughs> Just yeah, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. I can, I, I can make a, a mental note of, uh, hold on. Let, let me, we're, we're going to do some uh, business on air here. 430 Mark uh, Chet Hanks. This is the first, this is, the, I think, the first audio that we will actually be splicing um, in. Yeah, it's true. My parents got coronavirus. Crazy. Um, 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 uh, but actually, big news on the COVID front, you're now speaking to a vaccinated person right now. I would like to thank Mississippi. Uh, one Brian Scott Rippey for uh, providing me uh, the cover to quote unquote work in Mississippi to qualify. <laughs> I would like to thank my crippling addiction to marijuana for qualifying me as a quote unquote smoker. I would like to uh, thank being born in 1993 because that means I am at least 18 years of age. Um, and I would like to thank not working a real job that allows me to, uh, I don't know, spend s- seven hours in Meridian, Mississippi. So uh, the the wonderful Mount Rushmore confluence of those factors have resulted in me doing the exact same thing, sitting on my ass um, and not going anywhere. Shout out to Ralph and Sissy, the real MVPs here. For the real MVPs. How did you I, I, Meridian, by the way? I never even asked. I just sent you the address. What? I thought you yeah, went to, oh, I thought you went to Gulfport or something. You went out to Meridian? Oh, we got deep. Yeah. No, no. Well, the, a couple of different things. One, just us being as impulsive um, as we were, we saw that we found out on Wednesday. We were doing a trivia on Wednesday night, and we found out um, at like 10 o'clock that one, a couple of our friends – like. We were, we were going back and forth on like the moral arbitration of like, oh, are we taking this from people? Like yada, yada. And I, I had ultimately like 
felt comfortable with it just because knowing like the rollout of supplies and stuff, it's like, it's not, I'm not taking a needle from somebody else. I'm taking it from a trash can or taking a dope. Like these are a lot of stuff that's just going to end up getting thrown away um, based on a couple of like allocation towards Mississippi, their rollouts, Tate Reeves being who the fuck he is. Um, but we got there and we were like, I had like a, I was holding on to like a 5%, like, oh shit, like maybe, maybe we shouldn't do this. And walked into a gas station to pee, like right before we went to the vaccine sites, because we didn't know how long we were going to be there. Um, and straight up, maybe 30 people in there, the, we're the only two people wearing masks. And so I was like, all right, well, uh, demand just simply shooting through the roof here to to get these needles in their arms. And so um, I think that fully quelled my uh, any any remaining guilt that I had about yeah. this. Yeah, it must be nice to be able to like live in a red place where no one actually cares that much. And you can just just go get a vaccine from Walmart. Like I have so many friends who just like, they just like email something to Walmart or whatever. They just walk in and they've been vaccinated in Alabama, which I I mean, I'm very happy for them, but I'm also jealous. Like I had to live in like the most liberal fucking city in the reddest fucking state. And I (laughs) I'm eligible for the vaccine. I got the text message. Can't get it. Closest one I can get is a CVS like, 250 miles away <laughs> yeah dude that's uh, see now and that's one of that's one of those where like we were able to sign up and get the johnson and johnson one and so we didn't have to do any any second deal um but that's one where like i would i would i would drive and make the haul to get the one shot but okay so here's what some i've heard this from multiple sources and there is no fucking chance that i'm going to do any any bit of research to actually confirm um but they said that like you automatically qualify for the second dose if you receive the first dose so like if you go somewhere and are able because like um i think this happened with my mom too where like she was supposed to get it at one site but she ended up like getting it at the other site so it messed up the schedule but she was like uh, basically like if you go to mississippi or you go out of state to get a vaccine somewhere um then you are automatically qualified in your state but like we can get into some college football stuff in a second but like i i I was having this conversation kp we may have we may have talked about this hell it may have been on the last pod um but like the the like competition over these vaccines between these states and the tests and all of the PPE and stuff like very, very emblematic of just the way that college football operates like seat of their pants. We can't make a single decision on how we're having the season, yada, yada, but like a larger, broader conversation. It really just felt like some failed state shit to be like, Oh yeah. Like, we'll drive to the next state over to just go get the vaccine. Like it seemed like from like a 30,000 foot view, it's like, Oh yeah, this is what it looks like when like a country is crumbling upon itself. It's like, these are the small little things. It's the exact, like you said, I mean, we've, we've talked about it. It's like, there's no commissioner for college football. It's just, you know, these 10 separate factions that agree on 80% of things, but the other 20% like, has started wars almost, right? And that's just, <laughs> like, there's no reason why New York, Texas, California, Florida, Georgia, and everyone, like, there are different rules everywhere, and there's different vaccine rollouts everywhere. And it's like, this is basically what Robert E. Lee was fighting for. It's like, <laughs> 
it's fertile, recru- fertile recruiting ground, priority it, vaccine access. Every state just hey, do do what you want, man. Just don't you don't answer to anybody. There's it's not like there's one branch of the federal government like that's led by one person that can unilaterally make decisions. I don't like executive orders. I don't know if you would call it that or I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's there's no consistency whatsoever. Like Andrew, you know, I like I'm coming home for Easter. I am probably going to try to bootleg a vaccine in Mississippi when I'm home for Easter. Cause that's the only way I can see myself getting one within the next, I don't know, like 40 days. A whole lot of gang shit. And along those lines, I read something earlier today as I was leaving work that the Texas attorney general said that the city of Austin had until end of day or end of week, whatever the hell mm-hmm. it was. <laughs> to lift all mask and business restrictions. Otherwise, on behalf of the state of Texas, he would be suing the city of Austin. So, like, I mean, flashback to the 1860s, we're all riding around on horses. Like, would Robert E. Lee would start be starting up an Austin army to fight the you know totalitarian state of Texas? Like, well, how, how does that work? Like, it's small government on small government. I have I have a million issues with Austin Mayor Steve Adler. The one thing I will give him credit for, he seems to be the only person in the state not afraid of Greg Abbott. Um, I, <laughs> and he's like, no, we, what are you talking? No, we're going to wear masks. That's it. There's like a bar here that's lifting their mask mandate, but it's – I'm trying to think of the equi- – it's, it's, the, it's adult Reggie's basically, if you, you guys both know what I'm talking about, right? Mm, I don't know the one in the the Texas equivalent, but I oh I certainly do know Reggie's. That's the vibe. It's an adult version of Reggie's, and it's like they they posted on their story. It's like take your mask off, and if you don't, you're a dirty liberal. And it's like, well, all right, cool. I'm not wasn't going anyway. So, (laughs) but the whole thing about like crippling businesses and all that is the fact that you've had these restrictions and these you know if you're a business owner, you know it's been tough having to operate at such small capacity ride and you know for a while just take out only and then you get outdoor dining and all that like if you really want to loosen things up and and you know kind of lift the restrictions on businesses you know, not having to space things out and operate at 25 percent, what the hell does the mask part matter all you do is go in there and walk in and wear it everywhere you're not sitting down like i don't understand what that part accomplishes aren't you helping the businesses by if you wanted to open back up you're helping them by opening back up right i don't understand why the mask piece is such like a hot contention part of fighting it. Like what is the harm in keeping it? I don't understand. No one's been able to explain to me yeah. that part of it. Just have it at a hundred percent. And yeah, risk increases, but you know, risk increases because you're do you're taking away the mask mandate. So just, you know, it's just another small barrier that we still have. I just like Greg Abbott is the leader of a death cult <laughs> at this point. It's painfully obvious. Don't like, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. No, and what it does is, I mean, like, the, what what the ultimate problem is is it then forces like already high risk, like heavily interacted with like low wage workers to then deal with more and more and more people that like 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 if you end up having no mask policy in the entire state, but you try to enforce it in a private business, and then someone doesn't go in there with a mask, it's like, sure, technically, they still can't enter the business. But then it's not like you don't have any, 
you you literally have no like government backing what it feels like. You have nothing to fall back on. You have no like recourse to be like, no, you can't come in here. If someone, if some dumb asshat is going to walk in without a mask and say, fucking Greg Abbott said that I could do this, that dumb motherfucker, he knows my rights. And, like, like then it's going to be up to somebody making $12 an hour to try and kick them out who's already been dealing with other people all day. And so like, what this ultimately does is it has like then we do this all the time is where we just shift the blame from the actual entity that is making the decisions onto this like individual libertarian responsibility do your own thing but it's like that's not the way that you combat public health like that's not individualistic mindsets aren't going to solve group problems but this isn't anything revelatory here it puts businesses in a weird spot too because so you know, not to be one up by Texas, you know, when Mississippi lifted the restrictions and the mask mandates, it was as of like the words coming out of tater tots mouth. Like it, I'm pretty sure it happened immediately. Like Texas was, you know, it kicked in today after announcing it last week to where his Ole Miss like had a hundred percent capacity in the outfield at Swayze field last weekend. And like, whatever your opinion on that is aside from like a business standpoint, it puts these businesses in a weird spot. Cause I was talking to a buddy, but that still lives in Oxford now and he was talking to some of his restaurant friends and like some of them that don't give a shit are opening back up immediately, of course. And then some restaurants are like phasing it back in like these athletic departments are from an optic standpoint. And some are just keeping it as is because they don't feel comfortable with it. But it puts these businesses in a weird spot from both the safety and a PR perspective, kind of making their own decisions about what they want to do again instead of having some uniform policy as to how they're going to fade, you know, gradually open this thing back up. Like there's a, one of the nicest restaurants in Oxford is still at normal COVID restrictions while the surrounding bars around it are back to March 10th, 2020. Like it's, it's yeah. far. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to think that, you know, some places are just taking the mindset of, Damn, if we don't lift our mask mandate, another bar will, and they'll take all our business. And it's like, look, man, you're a place that sells alcohol. I, I think you'll be fine. Um, but that's what the one bar, it's called Unbelievable. And it's just, a- Andrew, as many times as you may end up coming here, I'm never taking you there. Um, no, we, wa- we walked past it last last month, and it yeah. looked like uh, no no place that I needed to be. Exactly. So it's... And and they're just like taking it upon themselves to be like, we are the bastion of freedom, you know, no mask here, do what you want, personal responsibility. And it's like, look, man, I'm like, the other bars here on Rainy Street are still doing very well with their mask rules. It's, it's, I don't know, man, just have a mask when you walk around. It's fine. You can ask them to do that at any point in the last like five years. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, fine. I like this place. I'll wear a mask when I'm not sitting down. Um, Rip, I, Rip, I saw videos from the library this past week. Um, oh, I hadn't I mean, even seen that. I bet it was rough. Oh, my God. It, it looked like that they were like it. If the goal were to try and form a different strain of COVID, like unique to Oxford, Mississippi, like if they were trying to have like, oh, we're going to have a, uh, an, a, a an Oxford, Mississippi COVID NFT then then that is exactly they, they were going to have something extremely extremely unique um to uh, th- that 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 one bar that but see that was what kp was saying earlier though is like if you're a bar in oxford especially too like infrastructurally people are gonna go into the bar and so like even if you have a mask mandate like you're still going to operate i have to imagine as like 
like, like when things are crowded on a night in Oxford, all of the normal mainstays are going to typically be crowded just because there are a certain amount of students and a certain amount of bars that they can fit into like capacity wise. And so if one of them says, or two of them say, we're going to make you wear a mask, you just don't have the amount of places that that many people can like disperse uh, like elsewhere. And the problem, particularly in college towns is like, so in Oxford, like you mentioned the library, whereas like Ray, which has the nice upstairs balcony and the bar, but it's also a restaurant. The capacity thing helps them a lot because they can put as many people as they want in tables in the restaurant. Yeah, on normal, nor- when the world was normal, they'd pack the upstairs a little bit, but that's kind of a little bit of middle ground where the, where the library's entire business model is pull $40 out of some kid's wallet and then shove them in the mosh pit that is your entire establishment. And it's funny, so we're talking about, like I was talking to Colin on the, with the baseball pod we do about like things we missed co- like pre-post-COVID or whatever. And it was like, he was like, do you miss the library? And I was like, I fucking loved COVID library because you spaced out at tables across from each other, across the room, and we're not allowed to get up. They would come g- bring you drinks. Whereas I don't think I'd ever go back into pre-COVID library again, absent a football game, because I just don't like standing that close to people and getting, you know, need in the balls for drinks. Like (laughs) bars like that, because their entire business model is pack as many people in here as we can and take cover money off of them. It it, it is interesting. I think where like us three operate just as like, I don't know, entering late twenties. Because I I think that the pandemic is like, uh, I'm Rippy, you are in Oxford. And so it's a little bit different, but like, I haven't been to Athens in a year. It'll, it'll be probably two full years. Um, when I end up going back this, this upcoming football season. And so like, I feel like what COVID is like ultimately served as is like the ultimate, uh, demarcation for people like our age of like, Oh yeah. The college stuff that you did. And like, even like, like you, like you went to the college bars that you went to like back when you would come onto campus for game days. And I feel like now it's just like, Oh no, you have to like, we've graduated a little bit. Like you, we got to go to the sit down places. Like I'm not, I'm not looking to go have a drink spilled on me anywhere. Like there are enough places in Athens to where you can get like a decent mix of that. But I, I do feel like in our respective college towns, we are like, all right, the college bars are dead even on game day weekends for us. Yeah, we. I, I'm at a point now where I do not mind going to my old college bars and my old watering holes, but like going at the hours where it's appropriate. Like, I don't know if you guys have been to Galette's in Tuscaloosa. Rippy, you may have. It's like at Galette's on, even on a game weekend, even on a big game weekend, Galette's from like 4.30 to 7.00 on a Friday is beyond pleasant. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best time. Cause you can sit down, you can hear the person you're next to. And it's just music's not too like blaring. It's like, nice. Will I ever be in Galette's after 9 PM on any night, the rest of my life? No, I, w- <laughs> I won't. And that's fine too. I do think there was a time. And again, a lot of people didn't go to outdoor bars and obviously any safety precautions, you can't blame someone, but there was a time where you could find like a nice outdoor place in anywhere like Andrew, we went to Dat Dog at what two on a Sunday, and it was wide the fuck open. When when has that ever happened before? You know? Yeah, no, there, there <laughs> is I, because that's that's something I'm going to be interested to see this upcoming football season. Is like 
like I, I think the vaccine rollout and stuff will happen quickly, but I don't know the modifications of new strains and whatnot. Like we are going to be in this weird, like I don't want to call it a COVID hangover, but I do feel like the beginning of football season is going to operate in this very weird, like nebulous area to where people are like, like even like me who I'm vaccinated, I'm still going to be like, peering around like like one like like i don't know sort of looking over my shoulder like all right what like uh, i i've spent so much time like paranoid and like holding my breath when walking past people it's like i don't know if i can fully accept like even though i'm vaccinated and this hopefully will be getting back to normal that like i can actually go into a bar and like stand next to people and be okay yeah that's the main it's like how close am i gonna be how comfortable will i be getting close to people is the big question for me, even post vaccination. Like, I don't know, man. I don't mind waiting. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm older now. So, like, yeah, I don't mind waiting five minutes for a drink in a bar. But it's like, is there going to be some like 19 year old breathing down my neck the entire time? If, if so, like, no, fuck, fuck that. Yeah. Like, am <laughs> I going to be, am I going to be able to make out with Kirby Smart when I go to Athens again? Like, these are the questions that I need to know. Bingo. And I've gotten like a slight, slight taste of it on one occasion through this. And I was about to bring this up when KB was talking about Tuscaloosa earlier. It's like you kind of got a little prelude when Alabama won the national championship, right? Like from one night, all hell just kind of broke loose in Tuscaloosa. And it was mosh pit on mosh pit. And like, I mean, not not even close to the scale. But one night I was in Dallas with the buddy and we were, you know, three or four of us watching football at someone's house. And then we went up to this place called Truck Yard, like outdoor dining where we sat and had dinner and they want to go to this bar. And at this point, this is mid October and this bar, apparently, I don't know like how they're getting, they got away with such a thing or what the deal was, but I walked into this place almost like a jaw dropping like type scene where COVID was not a thing at this place. I mean, you talk about packed to the gills, it was packed to the gills. And like, even it was a mix between COVID and all the things we were just talking about, about just having no desire to be in that type of setting again to where it's just not enjoyable. But for about five to seven minutes, I was standing in there and it was very weird. And like, I've never felt like uncomfortable by something, a whole lot of things. But for the five minutes I was standing in a, you know, elbows to elbows bar again, I was like, this sucks. And I don't even really know what the driving force behind it sucking is, but I just know I don't like this. And we left. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's that, like, I think that's what I'm sort of, like, getting at is, like, I hated, or or I was nearing the point where I hated being shoulder to shoulder anyways, and it's like, now I'm shoulder to shoulder, and you might be able to get me sick? Are you fucking kidding me? Get me out of here. I will say this. I will be shoulder to shoulder. By the way, before I go, before I make that point i want to say weirdly enough the 14 days after the national championship game was like one of the lowest like 14 day covid cases for among students in alabama it's like our case percentage dropped was like the lowest it had been in the 14 days following that which lets me know that everyone already had covid beforehand but you know because there's, <laughs> there's no way that's not a super spreader event um, well, it's sort of like it, I feel like it's one of like a Queen Bee situation. Like when Nick Saban gets COVID, everyone else there like automatically gets COVID. Like it's one of those like, well, we must get it out of solidarity. Exactly, man. I don't. I will say this: I am okay with being shoulder to shoulder in a bar if I have a mask on, um, as long as an Alabama game is playing and the average age of everyone else in the bar is twenty four point three and up. 
I'm not 24.3 and up. <laughs> it's, that's it. This is the average. I'm not, I'm not going to Gillette's for, I don't know. Let's say I don't get a ticket and Alabama plays LSU at seven. I'm not walking into Gillette's at six 45. Like, no, just so a person with a bad fake can throw up on my shoes that I wore, <laughs> that I wore to the bar. That's not happening for me. I'd rather a 27 year old throw up on my shoes. God, just dealing with fake IDs. If you have to, to get, if you have a fake ID in your wallet, I want you to be so far away from me because that means that you are underage and drink boldly, which means there's a good chance that you're la- last person on earth that I want to deal with. California teens and Ole Miss students with fake IDs. California teens. We, uh, y'all keep bring. I swear, this entire podcast has been deja vu. Y'all keep bringing up topics I've either drunkenly talked about or in front of a microphone or both in the last fourteen days. I was talking to someone the other night about how it used to be California teens. I would argue all teens now are just incredibly intimidating. There was some kid. I was at a place in Dallas there night eating sushi, and there was some kid walking around that couldn't have been more than eleven with a mohawk, and I was like, "This kid could beat the shit out of me." Like these kids don't have awkward stages anymore. I don't understand it. And they're intimidating as hell. It's like California kids have gone viral. Yeah, that 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 you little did you know that that kid had seven hundred and fourteen thousand followers on TikTok. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Man. Wait. TikTok has ru- I th- I think TikTok has maybe ruined Gen Z more so than like Twitter ruined us or that like I don't know, Facebook or MySpace. Uh, destroyed Gen X. I, TikTok's doing a number on the teens, man. It's bad. Just start talking, and I'll I'll edit all this out. eBay.com slash sneakers. Uh, great website if you're looking to sell shoes, buy shoes. If you're really just thinking of getting into the sneaker game as a whole. I remember at this time two years ago, I had maybe one pair of Jordan mids. I was thinking that I wanted to get into the game somewhat. And over the next two years, man, I just started, you know, building that up. And eBay sneakers was a big part of that. Um, very easy to sell sneakers as well because they use eBay's platform. What is it? The if you, you make all of your money back, right? eBay doesn't take a percentage if the sale over a hundred. No seller fees on sneakers over one hundred dollars. No selling fees. You can't get that from any other sneaker reselling site. So, folks, that is eBay.com/slash sneakers. Yes, uh, we are the only podcast on earth that uh, could manage to. I, I think that the world's most ethical college football podcast. Uh, it is having an adverse reaction to having ads on it. And so it, the moment an ad started uh, to be read, it just decided to mute my mic and we had to kill the whole thing. Man, speaking of ads and ADs, uh, Jeff Long from Canada yeah. was, <laughs> was fired today by the Board of Trustees. Um, for, it, it's hard to fathom just how – bad of a job Jeff Long did this entire process and really how bad he's been at hiring football coaches his whole career. Um, folks, is uh, my friend Morgan asked this, and I guess it's a good time to ask Banjo as well, is Les Miles ever going to work in college football again? No. Why? Don't, like, what? So – and again, I know that the answer to a lot of this is, oh, well, they're egotistical psychopaths. Um, but it's just like, 
I don't know. I thought like once you had like $40 million that like, I don't know, maybe don't invite more stress into your life. That, that it just seems like, like, dude, you did it. You won. You <laughs> capitalism. You simply like, 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 what are you doing? You like, won. You won the game of life. Like you know I mean, the board you, game. It's like you got you got the forty million. You think, <laughs> yay! What do you do? Like, like everything else. You, like you you can only operate between the ears here, man. Like I that, that that's just the thing that I don't understand with all these people. All this fucking like, what are you doing? I, I like straight up. I get that. Like Les Miles is bored. I mean, like that was why he took the Kansas job. Like more than more than ego. Like I think there are a lot of people like. They want to prove it again. They want like from the stories that we had heard in Baton Rouge of Les Miles, the guy was fucking bored and lonely and seemed to uh, hate the people around him. So I think he just straight up was like, hey, I'll take a college football job again. Yeah. I mean, that's all it is. And we look, anyone that went to restaurants around LSU knew that oh, Les Miles is a little weird around, you know, the waitresses and whatnot. But that's like you know basically most old men about over the age of fifty seven or whatever. It's like yeah, a little weird around the waitresses, but obviously I don't think any of us expected it to the extent that it literally rotted his football program from from the inside. Um, it's I don't look I don't less like Kansas did things to get less miles and to hire less miles and to appease him that were. Things A, Kansas had never done for a football coach, and B, Les Miles should not have had done for him. Les Miles got fired from LSU because he was running uh, the 1978 uh, Army offense, right? Like that, <laughs> and, t- and teams finally caught up to it. And then just like Kansas rolls out the red carpet to hire him, Jeff Long performs a background check, which consisted of asking Les Miles, hey, are you good? And Les saying, yep. And... They gave they gave the less miles they gave less miles the old uh, high school quarterback in the eighties just got concussed but we need you to go back in the game test you 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 good right you're like you're good no, right no not good do you have a concussion it's like, you know you're nope. good nope no nope. concussion here and the uh, you know credit to uh, there's another you know there's you know as much as you I, I like to dump on USA today sometimes for some of their opinion stuff and and kind of like short-sightedness when it comes to other sports related issues i would say it was some fantastic reporting that originally dug this up and you know you it, it, you kind of go time and time again you go back to these huge scandals whether it was Larry Nassar or on a much lesser scale this Oftentimes, these things don't come to light and none of these wheels get put into motion without some newspaper somewhere, you know, putting together some pretty spectacular reporting. And you got to give credit where credit's due there. I I say all that to say on top of that, there was another story today by Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated kind of outlining the quote unquote wall of protection around miles at LSU. And it's it's so wild now that all this come to light and the cockroaches are scattering that all these people are now like, yeah, I tried to tell him in 2013, but no one would listen. And it's like, oh, really? So he survived another half decade and got another job, but uh, just no one would listen. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, it's wild that – and I think Bomani Jones made this point on Twitter. Joe Oliva was the AD at Duke during the entire lacrosse scandal. So he was obviously I – I don't know if scarred is the right word, but obviously hyper-aware of anything and everything that could be deemed a sexual misconduct – 
in his athletic department. So the minute he got a whiff of it from Les Miles, he was like, hey, guys, I see how this ends. Um, let's <laughs> let's nip this in the bud. And funny enough, I do think Arkansas was trying to pull a coup before they hired Bielema. I think they were trying to like steal Les Miles from LSU. That that same offseason. So I don't know. Maybe Arkansas could have like started their collapse a lot earlier, uh, under less than they did under Burt. But man, it's it's hard to fathom that it happened for so long and so consistently, it seems like, and no one rep- no one had enough evidence or no one reported on it the entire time. Uh I think Baton Rouge media is a little bit culpable here because there's no way no one knew that, you know, these obviously inappropriate things were happening right can, can we take a moment to appreciate his defense too you know most of the time when this happens the you know the older guy is like i don't know anything about this i didn't have any contact with this lady or she misinterpreted my friendliness how about him just being full-on saying he was just trying to start a mentorship program what a wild defense you almost oh, expected that's insane <laughs> Like, dear God, man. What, Derek Zoolander school for kids who can't read good? <laughs> what is this? A condo, yeah. for, a condo for ants? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, Les, it says here that uh, you, you were only mentoring uh, women under 140 pounds. What What is going on here? Yeah, and, and another thing is, they talk about like the condo that Les Miles had, right? And it was the legendary condo where Les Miles spent all his time uh, after he got fired. And he still had a condo in BR, just trying to figure out the next phase of his life. Buddy, if you're a college football coach in the SEC and you have a famed condo, there's no way that ends well at, at all. There's no way it's like, oh, man. You heard, dude, that the Lane Kiffin's condo was legendary. No, NCAA would be in Oxford in four hours. <laughs> well, here's the, the and the, the like, like hearing the the famed condo and just stuff like that. Like, we are, I mean, uh, every, all sort of uh, plugged inness or uh, uh, proclivity to information, sort of in situations like this, exists on a spectrum, and so I certainly know that we are just with being some reporting background, Baton Rouge background. Um, we have uh, more of an ear to the ground, say, than than most people. But it's also like we have no actual sources here other than like just paying attention to like what we hear around town and read things and, and make inferences. And so like back to kind of what KP was saying about the Arkansas stuff is like, what the fuck is the appeal for less miles if you know that something like this is coming too? Like, again, if you were putting together a multi-million dollar offer to hire this guy at your school, one, you're saying he's competent on the football field, which aforementioned 1978 Army offense, he's not competent on the football field post, I don't know, 2013 that 2015 season was kind of a fluke like Leonard Fournette kept them afloat Alabama fucking blew them out in Tuscaloosa or really just sat on them in Tuscaloosa and and then Chad Kelly beat them by 21 (laughs) and then they lost to Arkansas but whatever that fucking game was um but but like the I guess my my question is is like what the fuck is the less miles appeal? Like you're going in like, like you're harboring a mediocre coach with known baggage. Like, 
maybe Kansas is just like that far down the well with an end. Like I understand like the Jeff Long implication in a lot of this too, but it's just like, what the fuck are you doing here? Just from like a competent hire perspective. And on top of that, it brings up a fascinating question. Exactly what you're talking about. Right. Because you know, a long time ago, as in 36 hours ago, Jeff Long, when he was still employed, uh, was saying to the media, we don't need a search firm. I'm going to handle this search and we're going to get this right. I don't remember if they had one the first time, but like, you know, most of the time when the, when stuff like this happens and, you know, the most recent employers, like we didn't know anything about this. We thought we thoroughly vetted him. Is this, is, and it's usually complete bullshit, right? Is, is this a situation where they did, like hired him, this mediocre coach with this coming up? Because you got to remember, this is, this is 2019, I say political climate. This is our 2019 societal climate. This is post Baylor. This is post, you name the scandal. Like, this is post me. They just really didn't know because they didn't try. Like, I almost don't think it's bullshit because they didn't try. More so to where 90% of the time, I think they knew. They just thought, tried to pull a fast one. Yeah, I mean, usually, like, like I, I say this in, in terms of, like, politics, where, like, where I exist on the political spectrum, you'll have people complain about sort of the, uh, the, the large corporate Democratic Party, and you'll have people chiding from the left saying, oh, my God, these people are incompetent, like, they can't do anything. And it's like, no, like, they do... What, they're, they're like extremely competent. They do exactly what they want to do. They pass what they want to pass. They're, you're just very, very uh, misaligned or disillusioned with what they actually believe. Like the Democratic Party is a status quo maintenance. Like a lot of like, like the hiring body at Kansas has no business trying to dig up dirt on less miles because then you have dirt on less miles and you want to hire less miles. Like that, like, like, like you then automatically, like if you go la 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 la, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Then I, I don't want to say you have plausible deniability here because it, it doesn't seem plausible, but like they're at least coming from the perspective of like the university has deniability because it looks like they just pin this on Jeff. I mean, it's the, it's the one non grifty part of search firms, right? They because they perform thorough background checks. That's pretty much it. Because a search firm is hard. Like a guy like Jeff Long, he's been an AD for a long time. I can't say he's been that successful for a lot of it. But he, at that point, you know, in your career, you know what coach you want to hire, right? So you hire a search firm. Say, hey, do a background check on this guy or on these three guys. And that didn't happen because apparently any surface level reporting, not even like background checks, private or public, would have told you this about Les Miles. It's like Andrew said, they didn't they didn't want to know anything. It's like you don't you don't have a D in the class if you'd never check your grades. That's, That's right. I mean if you would have spent more than if you would have spent more than eight hours at Bistro Byron's anywhere between 2016 and 2020, I think you could have pieced some of this together. And to KP's point, it almost makes it worse. It almost makes him more of an idiot because, you know, whether you didn't want to know or not, like you're just like, I want to hire this guy. Heard he's a little weird. Haven't heard any specifics and don't want to hear any. Like Andrew said, stick your finger, stick your fingers in your ears and just you know, oh, I can't hear you. Well, on top of that, what these search terms have become of just a gigantic cover your ass thing, right to where it's like these ads are like, oh well, you know. 
the search firm hired him, not me. Like they presented all these whatever. And this guy doesn't even want to do that. He wants to go with this candidate where presumably he had to hear something, whether it was specifics, and not even vet him with the search firm. Just be like, yeah, fuck it. Let's roll with this. Let's see what happens. And now, now he's out of a job. It makes no sense on any level. It, uh, it, and I think we can have our episode title here. It is, it's Schrodinger scandal. I mean, like, like the scandal both, both simultaneously, simultaneously exists and it doesn't. And it sure shit doesn't exist if you don't open the box. I, I just cannot believe someone watched Les Miles' last four and a half years at LSU and was like, we need that guy. We need that guy. That's the most that's, – that's malpractice from an 80 perspective, not even considering the scandal. That's malpractice. The craziest part about that too is the only thing that kept less relevant was talent. And so it's like, okay, you're, you're, you, you are going to Kansas where you have absolutely no like recruiting territory, any fertile recruiting grounds. And so you're saying, we want this guy for his fucking X's and O's. Like that's, that's what you went and hired. Like you don't let, like if you were the Kansas head or if you were the, the AD at Kansas and you're trying to hire a, a former 10 year head coach at LSU you would assume that he does have some recruiting contacts there, but you're still fucking recruiting against LSU. Like, what are you like? like what are you talking about? Like, like where, I, I don't understand where they thought they potentially like less miles could have placed Kansas on a like a Louisiana talent hierarchy. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine that like a kid saying like, no, I'm going to go to Kansas like a four stars and I'm going to go to Kansas over even if they don't want to go to LSU over literally any other school in the Southeast that comes in to recruit them because Les Miles was the LSU coach when I was growing up. Like what, what I, I, I just, the, the hire is inexplicable in like in the most football sense of the word, not even delving into anything else. That man, there's an alternate universe where, uh, they let Joe Oliva fire Les Miles back in 2013, and LSU football doesn't create it the way they do twice now, apparently, <laughs> apparently since then. Um, and, yeah, Joe Oliva is revered as a hero in Baton Rouge because he fires Les Miles for calls, and then everything comes out. And Les never works in the sport again. Basically, like the LSU admin just gave Les Miles like seven more years to wreak havoc. That's basically what happened. And it shows like how just few people hold the power at these major programs and how just like differently life can be like, this is taking this off the rails, but you mentioned there's a world like alternative world. There's also an alternative world. I've, I've talked to Rich Rodriguez about this before and he didn't want to do a story on it. Shockingly, very pleasant human being. Um, <laughs> there's a world where less takes the Michigan job in 07, which keeps Rich Rodriguez as Alabama's head coach, because they had a deal in principle, and the only thing he didn't do was pick up a pen and sign the paper in 2007, because he loves his favorite press conference line is now that he should have a statue outside of Bryant Denny because he didn't take the job, and look what happened. But, like, can you imagine in 2008, in Michigan, Rich Rod's at Alabama, and Nick Saban is, I don't know, fired by the Dolphins 18 months later? It's just, it's wild shit. And then now you have all this coming out a decade later where Rich Rod is now the OC at ULM because he can't get a gig anywhere else after his own, uh, you know, oh, 
State scandal. Oh, you know what probably happens? Michigan State uh, first hired Mark D'Antonio in 07. Nick Saban probably takes a Michigan State job and puts Lust in the body bag just a few hours north this time. And the Michigan State Spartans are the Alabama of Alabama now. Just insane <laughs> to think about. Jesus Christ. That that would have been so much more fun. Like, do you know how there would have been so many more enjoyable nights in my college career? Andrew just says that because he's he's still somehow convinced him. It's not a Nick Saban thing, Andrew. It is a uniquely University of Georgia thing, which is why you guys can't win one. Yeah, we would have found out a way to blow it to somebody else, too. <laughs> Everyone in the SEC should be mad at Rich Rodriguez, though, for the last decade and a half. Because if he doesn't welch on the deal, he's their head coach. And just a, just a hunch, it probably doesn't go as well. No, I mean, we were on probation when we hired Nick Saban. <laughs> what does Kansas yeah. do, by the way? You know, I've, I've, I enjoyed seeing the sentiment from a lot of guys that come for the insurance yeah. And fans, why not go triple option? I actually, this is one of the mainstream takes that I firmly agree with. Why would you not do it? How how could it be worse? I I know a lot of people's like you know aversion to the triple options that well, it's impossible to recruit to, and it's like, buddy, you're fucking recruiting to Kansas football. It's already hard to recruit there, but if you can show some proof of concept, um, you know, early on, like maybe go four and eight that first year and. I don't know. You knock off Kansas State, who's ranked number 19 at the time, and it's kind of program changing. You can do that. It's Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, it's close to Kansas. It's an hour and a half away from Kansas City the same way that Meridian, Mississippi is an hour and a half from Pascalosa, right? It's just not <laughs> – they're completely different universes. Do Kansas, run, hire, give Jeff Munkin whatever he wants, run the triple. You'll get to oh, – You'll make a bowl game once every three years, and you'll build a statue for that guy. By God, it's Paul Johnson's music. <laughs> <laughs> if they went, forget the bowl game. If KP's original point, if they went four and eight, their meet their SID would be trying to keep it in his pants with the amount of additional game notes he has. Like that would change the trajectory of their program. <laughs> four and eight. Yeah, it's just they. And it's not even that they're obviously their goal is to be competitive and, you know, maybe one day be in the top three in the Big 12. Uh, but really, your main goal is here to have a pulse. And like they haven't had a pulse for years. I remember back, you know, it was 07, that year they went 12 and 1. They were legitimately fun to watch. And not just that, they had legitimately really good, fun players like Todd Reesing, Akeem Tlaib. Um, God, I forgot that receiver's name, Desmond something. That was a fun team, and they, they were well-constructed. And even when all those guys left, at least for a couple years under Mangino, they still went like eight and five and like seven and six. Like they, it, they were not an easy out. Like you knew you had to play decently well at least to beat Kansas. And now it's like I don't – their highlight of the last – 12 years is beating a Texas team that had literally tried to quit on Charlie Strong. Do you know what they need? They need um, they need the NCAA to actually pop Bill Self. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, like... Interest. I like it. Maybe this is a crazy take, and I, obviously you're not going to, like, re-engineer the culture of Kansas, of, of University of Kansas sport. But there is an aspect to it where it would almost be like if we didn't have something else around the corner, then maybe we would invest some resources into this. Because the only times that they actually end up suffering, 
quote unquote suffering are like Labor Day weekend through like the first weekend of October. And then it's like, all right, it's preseason basketball and no one cares about this anymore. If you had to go like two or three years where you went and y'all went 13 and 19 in college basketball, then maybe there would be some resource allocation to say, no, we actually probably need to figure out the football side of this because it just can't be a completely barren sports calendar. Yep. I mean, you know what happened, right? How the 07 Kansas team, football team came to be in 05 Kansas lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament to Bradley. And in 06, they lost like in the sweet 16. And then it was that, was that the Bucknell one. Yeah. It was like Bucknell. It was like Bucknell and Bradley back to back years. I think. Yeah. And it's, and the athletic department was like, fuck man, we got to do something about the rest of this athletic department. If Bill self might not have it. And then they just went all in on football. It's like, yeah, you're you still make the money from bat. It's one of the few schools where the basketball is a more profitable enterprise. It's like, yeah, just use the basketball money to float the football program. Just do the opposite. The money's there. You know, you're on TV three times a week. Um, not three times, but you're on TV twice a week, which means you're on TV what twenty plus times a season. Yeah, you've got money, Kansas, and apparently your Adidas, like all the way up to corporate, is in your back pocket. So yeah, just drop some bags you know, dominate Kansas Juco circuit and, you know, go eight and five. And to your point, add on to your point, the whole football versus basketball money too. And I'm not talking about TV money. I'm talking about the money to get shit done for Mm -hmm. the lack of a better phrase is a hell of a lot more territorial than people want to let on. Just ask Andy Kennedy. How long did it take to get the funds? O'Brien's recruitment and where where he asked for funds and how that got shut down. The territory between this is football money and this is basketball money at a football school or vice versa is very much uh, very much territorial and more so than the people want to let on. Well, it's it's funny because we talk about how now. Na- I'm I'm sorry, Andrea, I cut you off, but. I- it's funny how we talk about how national football recruiting is, but the thing is, man, if you get a guy to sign, that guy knows he's going to be there three to five years most times. So it's like there's a little bit of you know commitment from the player's part. In basketball, it's like, look, man, I'm here for five months, <laughs> and then I'm out forever. It's like, yeah, no, that's way more cutthroat. I'm 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 just envisioning like a. a- like a scene where um, between Kirby Smart and Tom Crean, where they're like brothers and, and Kirby Smart's the older brother with the car, except it's like the the bag man. And Tom Crean's like, come on, dude, like, let me borrow the bag man. Like, I got this, I got this really good recruit I got to take out. Like, come on, dude, be cool, be cool. Like, get the fuck out of here. You don't need Anthony Edward. Get out of here. Go. <laughs> He gets the one Anthony Edwards and just crashes the car immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, I, I think our good buddy Alex Kirshner said, if you believe like 10% of the reporting on Kansas basketball, then like, yeah, they're, they're going to get sent to the sun <laughs> very, very soon. So, yeah, Kansas football, now's your time. You know, convince those basketball boosters that Bill Self is a dirty crook and that Jeff Munkin is a uh, – upstanding man of God and get that uh, whatever you're building in your stadium built and just go from there. All right. So to recap show notes on the hot seat, uh, the uh, 
novel coronavirus. On the hot seat, Bill Self. On the hot seat, the decision-making in uh, the athletic department at Lawrence, Kansas with one Jeff Long. Um, other than that, we got anything else, boys? We, we got to get into NFTs next week. I, I want to talk about actually, um, I want to shit on them. I want to talk about how bad they are. I want to talk about how uh, it's going to end up ruining the energy grid. But I also do want to talk about see if there is a way for college athletes to actually start making money off of this because I think there definitely is. You guys have my word. I'm going into that episode blind about NFTs. Uh, you know, KP, KP is our finance man. He's gonna uh, he's gonna learn us up good. Eat my ass, Andrew. Y'all have a <laughs> y'all have a great day. See you. All right, be good.